Welcome to the Smart Weight Loss Coaching Podcast. I'm Dr. Lisa Olson, a board-certified weight loss medicine specialist and certified life coach. In this podcast, I'll share fresh insights and effective techniques for incorporating mindset, habit change, and proven science into your life. Are you ready to achieve sustainable weight loss, wellness, and longevity? Then let's jump in and lose weight the smart way. Exercise is not a weight loss tool. What? (laughs) Exercise is completely overrated for weight loss, but it is underrated when it comes to health. Listen, I'm not saying exercise isn't good for us. I'm just sharing that the data, the research shows it's not a weight loss tool. So what I invite you to do is uncouple exercise from weight loss and look at other reasons to motivate yourself to choose to do exercise. Here is a little pearl that I have really learned from being a weight loss specialist for over a decade. You cannot out-exercise a poor diet. So when it comes to weight loss, you really need to turn your attention initially to diet. Over time, we'll talk about why you would choose to add in exercise eventually. People say that if exercise was a pill, it would be the most widely prescribed medicine in the world. Why is that? Well, from a weight perspective, (laughs) since I know that's why you're here, please note that exercise will prevent that upward inching of our weight, that upward creep that happens year after year. It's also critical for maintenance of weight loss. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. In addition to the benefits for long-term weight management, it's great for our brain health. Exercise regulates our mood. It's going to lower the risk of depression and anxiety. It's also going to stimulate the release of feel-good chemicals. It will lower our stress or actually, it really simply increases our ability to manage our stress. Inevitably, we all have stress, right? But exercise helps you to deal with it. It reduces the risk of dementia. So for those of you in midlife and beyond, this might be really interesting to you. (laughs) Keep doing your crossword puzzles and start getting some exercise. Also, regular exercisers perform better on cognitive tasks. Many studies have suggested that the parts of the brain that control thinking and memory are actually larger in volume in people who exercise than in people who don't. Now, keep in mind, there are several studies that show us it takes at least six months to start reaping the cognitive benefits of exercise. So this is not just a one-time push. We want to keep working on exercise over and over to create an exercise habit. What else does exercise do for us? Well, it improves sleep. It boosts our energy. Here's an interesting little nugget. Regular exercisers have lower health care costs. That's amazing. Exercise also reduces the risk of chronic diseases like diabetes, heart disease, and metabolic syndrome. And on the note of diabetes, this is really fascinating. The risk of progressing from pre-diabetes 
to diabetes can be drastically reduced with exercise, even if you don't lose a pound. All right, now let's differentiate between exercise and activity. NEAT, which is non-exercise activity thermogenesis and activity, so NEAT and activity are just as important as exercise. You might argue more so, but today we're just focusing on exercise specifically. Exercise is really a subcategory of physical activity. It's planned. It's structured. It's repetitive and purposeful. The goal of exercise is to improve or maintain your physical fitness level or other health outcomes like your weight. It's a tool for weight management over time. We know a lot about exercise and how critical it is to maintaining weight loss from studying something that you might find a little surprising. It's a TV show. Have you ever heard of The Biggest Loser? Well, experts in the field of weight have studied the contestants who were on season eight of The Biggest Loser. And here's what we learned about those 14 contestants. Over the years, most of them have regained their weight. Some have regained all of their weight, even surpassed their original weight, and really only one kept all of the weight off. There was no difference between the groups in terms of their food. So when we look at who kept the weight off, who regained some or most or all of their weight, who surpassed their original weight, Their food, after the season was over, really didn't differ from one group to the next. Exercise was the key for keeping their weight off. It was all about exercise. More exercise correlated with better weight maintenance. And so what we see is that 60 to 85 minutes a day of moderate intensity exercise, that means like brisk walking, 60 to 80 minutes a day is really what it takes to maintain a significant weight loss. Think about that, an hour to an hour and a half a day. That is a lot of walking, but that's what it takes. We also have similar data that comes from the National Weight Control Registry. This registry looks at people who have lost a lot of weight and kept it off for a long period of time. In fact, if you have, you can certainly Google the National Weight Control Registry and apply to be a part of it. So one thing we know from studying these people who are successfully maintaining their weight loss is that they all are exercising, on average, at least an hour a day. Most of them are simply walking which is kind of heartening. They're not running marathons. They're not taking hardcore spin classes. No, they're walking, briskly walking. All right, so let's shift gears and talk about exercise prescriptions. (laughs) What is that? (laughs) Remember I said if exercise was a pill, it would be the most popular pill in the country for sure. But since it's not, we can still write something on our prescription pads to help you with exercise. We use an acronym called FIT, F-I-T-T. The F stands for frequency. How often are you going to do your exercise? The I stands for intensity. 
You don't want to work out so hard that you can't even talk. You want to be able to talk. That's moderate intensity. But you shouldn't be able to sing. The second T, remember, we're F-I-T-T, frequency, intensity. The first T is for time. How long are you going to exercise? How much time will you spend exercising? And I always like to use the word time to trigger a conversation about when. When are you going to fit this into your day? I love to say I'm going to do all of this before I wake my kids up in the morning. That's fine when the days are really long in the summer, but what about when the days are really short in the winter? I find it much harder to get up in the freezing cold darkness to exercise. So be sure that you're adjusting your exercise prescription as the seasons change and as your schedule changes. The last T is for type, the type of exercise you're going to do. It might be walking, biking, dancing, paddle sports. How about pickleball? Everybody loves pickleball now. You might be doing HIT, high-intensity interval training, playing basketball. It doesn't matter. The best exercise for you is the one that you're willing to do, the one that sounds appealing. It doesn't have to be the hardest one. It doesn't have to be the most trendy one. Just whatever you like. Here's a question. Is one type of exercise better than another in terms of brain health? Remember, I told you exercise is so good for our brains. Well, we really don't know the answer to that because almost all of the research on brain health has looked at walking. So we know walking is very good for your brain. There was a study published in the Journal of the American Geriatric Society that found Tai Chi has the potential to improve cognitive function in older adults. What do we mean by that? Executive functioning, like planning, paying attention, problem solving, and verbal reasoning. So Tai Chi, (laughs) in my opinion, is not just for older adults. I mean... I like to classify myself as somewhere in the middle there. I think Tai Chi is for any of us who are interested in improving our our brain health, in improving our bodies, in improving our longevity. Give it a try. All right. So how do we create an exercise habit? How do I do it in my own practice? Well, one of the first things is I do not push it. Since we know exercise isn't really a weight loss tool, why do I need to ask people to do something that seems hard to them right in the beginning? Believe me, I would much rather pick the low-hanging fruit. Let's do the easy things first. Exercise is easy for some people. It's enjoyable for some people. But for others, there's a fear around getting started. It can be intimidating. Or maybe you just think you hate it. So why would I ask you to do that as part of a weight loss program right from the get-go when I know you really don't need to do it to lose weight? So I don't. I don't want you to burn out. I don't want you to be discouraged. I don't want you to do something you don't like to do. So I just take it slow. And so here's something kind of funny. People will often (laughs) sort of raise their hand and ask me, "Um, hey, I'm losing all this weight. I'm doing really well. What about exercise? Like, should I start doing something? (laughs) That's the perfect time to start exercise. The answer is yes. Yes, you should start when you think you're ready, when you think you want to start. I love that. 
So I just let people ease themselves into it. And then I look into what the barriers are to exercise. So again, for many people, there's kind of a fear of getting started. Maybe it's been out of their existence since they were in high school taking gym class. So we just start really small. And sometimes I like to start ridiculously small to make it just seem impossible not to do. So I will give people a cap of five minutes. Don't exercise more than five minutes. That's our rule. But I want you to do five minutes every day. And people sort of laugh like, really? (laughs) Aren't we supposed to do an hour? Like, nope, we're just getting started. Five minutes. But I'd really like you to commit to every day. I mean, I'm not the exercise police. If you do six days out of seven, I think that's incredible. So, you know, we'll shoot for every day, but we'll be gracious if you don't nail it. That's fine. Most people feel confident that they can do something for five minutes every day. And I just ask them to do what they like, what they feel confident that they can do. Often it's just walking. Just do it slowly at first. That's completely fine. Or maybe you want to use little tiny two-pound weights. Great. If that sounds worth doing, do that. Anything you want, but just cap it at five minutes a day. Do not go six. (laughs) Only go five. All right. So you do it five minutes a day. You start to build confidence. You start to entrench that habit. And this also helps to avoid analysis paralysis. You know, you just jump in and do it. You can do your five minutes. Actually, you could do your five minutes right now while you're listening to me. Don't even wait until we're done on this call, on this podcast. Just go ahead. (laughs) Drop down to the ground and do some stretching or hold a plank or walk for two and a half minutes that way and turn around and come back for two and a half minutes. The idea is that you just jump in and do something. It seems very manageable. This is kind of similar to learning how to ride a bike with this treasure of a bicycle teacher called Bill the Bike Guy. (laughs) So Bill the Bike Guy is this lovely gentleman who is a PE teacher, and he's carved out this little side gig for himself in the summers where he teaches kids and probably adults too how to ride a bike. So who are the ideal clients of Bill the Bike Guy? I'm sure he would teach anybody how to ride a bike, but really he has this special ability to help people who have a fixed belief that they cannot ride a bike. It might be that they fell really hard and got scared of riding a bike when they first started learning. It might be that they went past the age when all the other kids are learning and they just feel too old to take on this new task. It might be someone who has a hard time with their balance. It might be someone who reached adulthood and just never owned a bicycle and now wants to learn. So here's the system that I saw Bill the Bike Guy do with someone he was teaching to learn to ride a bike. He pulled out what I would consider like the world's smallest bike that you could put a 10-year-old on. Really, really small, low to the ground. And all he had the kids do at first was just sit on the bike. Their feet really had to be on the ground because (laughs) the bike was so small. So they would lean this way and lean that way and really see that there was just no way to fall. 
And then he had them just like, lift up your feet for a second. And as they started to tip, their foot would just instinctively go down. It was kind of amazing. And then he'd have them straighten up, lift your feet again, and the bike would tip and boom, their foot would go down. Like there was no way not to put your foot down. It was right there. And then he had them put their feet on the pedals and just set it there. Boom. As the bike started to tip, their feet would touch the ground. And pretty soon the confidence was building. These kids realized there's no way I can fall. (laughs) I couldn't fall off this bike if I wanted to. And then slowly he added on, helping them put their feet on and pedal. And if they started to get off balance, boom, their feet went down again to the ground. There was no way to fall. This brilliant Bill the Bike Guy trained so many people who never believed they could ride a bike by just starting with this small, tiny little thing and increasing their confidence so they realized they couldn't get hurt. So if you feel that one of your barriers to exercise is that you're a little afraid, you're afraid to try something new, you're afraid you're going to hurt your back or hurt your knee, of course, talk to your doctor, make sure that it's safe for you to exercise, but then just start so small five minutes. Grow your confidence. Okay, let's talk about other barriers that you can overcome for yourself in advance of trying to exercise. Here's an easy one. Put out your shoes and whatever you want to wear to exercise the night before. So if you're going to exercise first thing in the morning, you wake up, you stumble to the bathroom, and oh, there's my workout gear. Okay. (laughs) I might have forgotten, but I can't miss it sitting right there on the bathroom counter. So, okay, maybe not your shoes on the bathroom counter, but your outfit on the bathroom counter, your shoes on the floor right beneath it. Okay. So that's one way to set up your environment for your success. Another great way, find another person, a partner, a group, a community of people, a class. When you commit to walking with someone else or exercising or dancing or playing tennis with someone else, you're much more likely to show up. Even showing up for a pet can be helpful. People who have a dog have a lower average BMI than people who don't have a dog (laughs) because your dog is looking to you to take them for a walk. And so more often than not, you'll comply even if you weren't planning on taking a walk just for you, for yourself. The last thing I want to say about starting to create an exercise habit is please hold space for imperfection. Allow yourself to be imperfect. (laughs) I'm just thinking about myself when I started learning how to dance tango. I was insanely awkward. Of course, everybody's awkward when they're learning how to dance tango. (laughs) You're extremely awkward. But learning to dance tango really increased my distress tolerance, my imperfection tolerance. You know, it's I'm going to look awkward. I'm going to step on someone's foot. I'm going to be going to the left when I should have been going to the right. At some point, there's just nothing you can do about it when you're a beginner, And so you just start to relax a little bit more and understand that this is how we all are as beginners. So when you're starting to exercise, please allow for some imperfection. Don't be mean to yourself. Love yourself. Be kind. So just a reminder, something I said in the beginning, exercise is overrated for weight loss and underrated for health and weight maintenance. Okay, 
So don't push yourself harder than you're comfortable in the beginning. Take it slow and easy. Build your confidence. Make it hard to fail. But recognize that you don't have to be perfect. And as time goes on and you start to have success with weight loss, with improving your health, with your five minutes of exercise, then you can slowly grow it to a very high level if you want to really maintain a significant weight loss. So an hour to an hour and a half a day is what we think you need to maintain a really meaningful amount of weight loss. But you can do it. Don't be worried. So let's wrap up by asking, what is your next best action as it relates to weight loss, your MBA? Grab your notebook, write it down, and I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like more support during your smart weight loss journey, check out our group coaching program at smartweightlosscoaching.com. Until next time, stay well and stay smart.